A reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, which can be found in your church Bibles on page 1176. That's Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 21. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Do please keep that passage open in front of you. Uh, May I just add how good it is to be with you at St. Michael's again. Um, We have many, many happy memories here, going back to Teddy Saunders and Jeremy Crossley and David and Rosemary Pryor. Um, And uh, we love coming here. We think you're great. Most recent visit was to a rather special wedding Uh, last year, which we enjoyed enormously, and it's so good to be here again today. Thank you so much, Guy, for your invitation. And I I like the sound of these clothes sales. Um, Will you tell me when they do one for men? Because I'm in need of a new coat, and I rather like the 700 to 40 kind of deal that goes on here. Um... If you were here this morning, uh, you will have heard me trying to do an overview uh, on this huge subject, what about the Holy Spirit? And looking through the whole Bible, I tried to give uh, what the Americans, and you know a few Americans here, uh, call an overview. Because the Holy Spirit is around throughout the Scriptures, the Scriptures that he inspired. But this evening, I want to concentrate uh, on just one passage, the one that we had read. Um, so keep, keep hold of that. Paul is writing to uh, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, which was a, a major city, a huge cosmopolitan center, a port. The sea is withdrawn a long time now. It's just ruins now, but it was then key to all sorts of commercial activity. And as a result, Paul could see the importance to it of the gospel. And he invested a huge amount of time uh, into this particular place. You can read the story in Acts 19 and 20. As well as his day job, Paul hired the Hall of Tyrannus for two years. And every day, six days a week, during uh, the siesta hours, i.e. from 12 midday to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, three hours every day, six days a week, maybe he had an odd holiday, that's a lot of time invested in explaining, arguing for the gospel. 
And sometime later, uh, the church was established um, and gradually Paul was able to rejoice at all that God had done. Well, this letter is written a few years later, about 60, 62 AD. Um, Paul is in prison by now, and he writes this wonderful letter to the Christians in Ephesus. Um, a letter that begins with three chapters of soaring theology, and then goes on to another three chapters of down-to-earth, practical Christian living. It was John Calvin's favorite letter, which must tell us something. William Barclay called it the Queen of Epistles. Paul loves contrasts. I don't know whether you've noticed that in many of his letters. And there are quite a few in this epistle. He underlines things like, once you were dead, now you are alive. Chapter 2, you were separate from Christ, but now you are one in him. You were aliens, but now you are citizens of heaven. Once you were darkness, but now you are light. Chapter 5, verse 8, and now... You were unwise, but you're now wise. So make the most of it. And we come to our passage, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Making the most of every opportunity. As the old Revised Standard Version used to put it, redeem the time. Um... We have very different backgrounds. We have different wealth. We have different circumstances. We're different ages. But you know, we all have 24-hour days, the last time I looked. A great deal of that time is taken up with work and um, eating and the things that are important. But that still leaves a considerable amount of time And the question Paul's concerned with is how you use it. Be careful, he says. Time can't be hoarded. Redeem it. Use it for God. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do it by the Spirit. So let's just pray as we come to grips with these verses that this time, when we're all together, these next 20, 25 minutes will be redeemed by God and be useful for his purposes in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we're just so grateful again that you, you want to help us. And we thank you for bringing us together tonight. Thank you that you want to meet with us And so we ask that you would give each one of us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and help us together to respond wisely because we recognize 
also still that the days are evil. Amen. Okay, let's jump in. Paul goes straight to a command. Did you notice that? Verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. There are, of course, some similarities between the filling of the Spirit and filling with wine. You remember that when the first disciples were anointed with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost uh, in Jerusalem, they spilled out into the streets and they were all praising God in different languages and people gathered and couldn't make out what on earth was going on and some people made fun of what was happening. People will always make fun of the Holy Spirit at work sometimes. And some people said, well, they quite clearly had too much to drink. And Peter has to say, no, 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 that is not right. These people are not under the influence of of wine. The pubs aren't even open. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is people being filled with the Holy Spirit. He points back to Joel and he expounds all that Jesus has done. I remember being with a great uh, and respected Christian leader at a conference in California in the 1980s. If I told you his name, a number of you would recognize it. Maybe you read something from him. Probably some know him personally. And uh, I remember one particular evening uh, at this conference where there had been a, a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. One of those lovely occasions to look back on. And I remember him going back to his room, which was opposite uh, our room uh, in the hotel, and he was literally staggering from one side of the corridor to the other. And if you didn't know him or didn't know what was going on, you would have been quite sure that he was someone who'd had too much to drink. But of course, the differences are major as well. Alcohol is a depressant, ultimately. The spirit is a stimulant. Too much drink leaves a hangover. The spirit renews and refreshes and strengthens. Too much drink dehumanizes. The fullness of the spirit makes us more human. He makes us more Christ-like. And Paul now lists the hallmarks or some of the hallmarks of what the Spirit does if we obey the command to be filled with the Spirit. Some of the beneficial results of being filled with the Spirit. And I want to draw uh, three of those out particularly tonight. And the first is worship. Paul actually introduces a series of present participles And he does that to make his his point. 
And the first is speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, verse 19. We do that to, to worship God, but notice that it's to one another here. When we come together, yes, we are worshipping God, but we are also enjoying fellowship. We're doing it together. We're singing praise to him together. Do you need a, a fresh delight in the fellowship of St. Michael's tonight? In actually enjoying being together? In being thrilled as you come along to think you're going to be meeting with those people again that form the body of Christ here. You need to be filled with the Spirit to know that and want it and look forward to it. The second present participle that Paul uses, which also refers to worship, comes in the same verse, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. Verse 19, this is to the Lord. This is not so much the fact that we're together, but it is for the Lord. That's what worship in song is all about. Singing, making music, praising our God. You know, worship is a basic instinct. It's part of being human. We are designed to worship God. And if we don't worship God, that basic instinct doesn't just disappear. It gets perverted and turned to something else. And you can see it in uh, our world in, in all sorts of ways. People worshipping their work or their career or money or relationships or their children, putting them first in their lives. Good things often, but taking the place of God and therefore idolatry. We need to instead worship God to keep making sure that our worship, our delight in singing praise, our joy in some of these wonderful songs and musicians that God has raised up is to the Lord and for his glory. That's why we have vocal cords. It's fine to sing all sorts of songs, pop songs, opera, love songs, even country songs, perhaps especially country songs. Okay, well, I come from the South. Um, but most of all, our primary purpose in exercising our vocal cords is to sing praise to God. That's what's going on in heaven, Revelation 5. The company are worshipping God in song, bowing down, lifting holy hands, acknowledging Jesus on the center of the throne and worshipping him. Worthy, worthy are you, Lord. I'm so looking forward 
to being in heaven and uh, I'd like to have my own band. I'm really a frustrated worship leader. Unfortunately, I can't play anything. But, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to have an angel band and I'm going to be able to sing in perfect pitch. It's going to be great. It's not about style, which instrument you prefer, which kind of hymn or song you like. It's about attitude. Making music in your heart is the phrase. Are you doing that? Do you want to do that? You need the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you can do that. Otherwise, you're just singing. Maybe like me, you can't play the guitar or the keyboards. But by the Spirit, you can make music to the Lord in your heart as well. Part of my quiet time with God every morning is I always play some worship songs. Sometimes I join in, certainly with my heart. Do you want a new freedom to worship God in song? You need the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Paul says they're connected. You can't have one without the other. And if you have the one, you must do the other. Okay, the second result of the Spirit's filling that I want to dwell on is thanksgiving. Again, it's a present participle, verse 20, giving thanks always for everything. Only the Holy Spirit can give that to people, and he loves to do that. Have you ever noticed how thanksgiving is a mark of the people of God? makes such a difference. I meet all sorts of older people and what kind of people they are by the time they're getting old is begin to mark them. And there is such a contrast between the moaners and those who just give thanks. The Psalms, the, the worship songs, the personal prayers of the Old Testament are full of thanksgiving. Giving thanks for everything doesn't mean praising God for what is bad. That's not what it means. There was a time when there was some wrong teaching about that. Adultery is always bad. Cancer is bad. We do not praise God for these things. But the point is, whatever circumstances... And you may be facing all sorts of difficult circumstances this evening. I don't know your personal situation. But there's likely to be some people struggling with some major difficulties. Illness, grieving, broken relationships. Even so, whatever your circumstances, there are things to praise God for. That's what he's talking about. There are circumstances despite the overriding concern to give praise to God for because he's promised us that he will work for good through all circumstances 
for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So as you allow the Spirit to fill you, you will overflow with thanksgiving. Jesus was always giving thanks. I can never take communion without being reminded that the Son of God, about to be betrayed, tortured, and executed, nonetheless takes bread. And what does he do? He gives thanks. And then he takes wine. And he gives thanks to his Father. There are good habits, and thanksgiving is a good habit. Keep giving thanks all your days. But to do so, you need the Spirit. What a difference uh, an attitude of gratitude makes to all circumstances. I remember my father-in-law in his 90s uh, at the hospital uh, the waiting room was crowded and people were moaning complaining about illnesses and how long they were having to wait and the tired facilities all very understandable suddenly there was a pause and then granddad said I think the National Health Service is marvellous Silence follows. Do you want to be someone who knows the joy and value of thanksgiving? Who just can't stop giving thanks, whatever the circumstances? Well, you need to be filled with the Spirit. That's the only way. But I promise you, as you keep coming to the Spirit, that will be one of the things that will just follow. Worship, thanksgiving, and the third characteristic of being filled with the Spirit is submission. Again, actually, it's a present tense participle. Our reader, very understandably, stopped um, at verse 20. Uh, because the NIV, like many Bibles, goes on to make it seem like it's the beginning of a new paragraph and introducing submission, particularly as far as working out in families and husband and wife and that sort of thing. But actually, it's a, it flows from being filled with the Spirit. It is one of the present participles. It is a result of the Holy Spirit's infilling. So, if you're into marking your Bibles, cross out those words, instructions for Christian households. It shouldn't be there. It's part of the command to be filled with the Spirit. Sometimes, of course, a person who claims to be full of the Spirit becomes aggressive, even brash and assertive. But the Holy Spirit is not like that, is he? He is a humble spirit. And those who are truly filled with the Spirit always display the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who, though he was the Son of God, submitted always to his Father's will. 
one of the obvious characteristics of Christians should be that they submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's not easy sometimes, isn't it? Only the Holy Spirit can help you do that in a right way. Do you find it difficult? Are you finding that difficult just at the moment? Your concern, yes, is great. It's for the Lord to work. And you can see exactly what God wants to do here in this church of yours. And you're praying for it, and uh, you're a bit frustrated by what's not happening just yet. You want to take a lead. You want to make changes. You want to take control. Well, you need to be filled with the Spirit first and to submit to God's timing and God's purposes. Remember, this is a command, not an optional extra. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not a tentative proposal. You know, maybe you'd like to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're that kind who responds in that way. No, this is the command to all Christians. We are not at liberty to ignore. We cannot say, this does not apply to me. It's in the plural form. In other words, Paul is addressing the Christian community, all Christians. None of us is excluded. You can't say, I'm not that type. What's more, this command is in the present tense. It's not a once and for all event that we can look back to. There may be wonderful, specific times of special anointing that we rejoice over and give thanks for, but the sense here is go on being filled with the Spirit. It's a present participle. It's a present tense command. Our God is a present tense God. His name is I Am. And he wants and longs for a present tense response. Here I am, Lord. Use me. D.L. Moody, the great uh, American evangelist of the 19th century, was once approached by an earnest lady who was rather concerned about his spiritual well-being. And uh, she said to him, "Uh, Mr. Moody, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And he replied graciously, yes, madam, but I leak. And that's true for all of us. It doesn't matter how much we've enjoyed and experienced the Holy Spirit in our lives in the past. And I have enjoyed the most wonderful times in the Spirit. Yesterday's anointing is not sufficient. We need the touch and strength of the Spirit again tonight for tomorrow. The good news is that God just longs to do that. He knows we need His Spirit. He knows that we need to be filled again. And He He loves it when 
we come back to him and say, more Lord, I need you again. This then is a word for those of us struggling in our Christian life, and there are likely to be some of those here tonight, but also for those of us who are going along fine. For Christians at the opposite end, if you like, of the spiritual spectrum. To the struggling, the apostle says, be filled with the Spirit and he will give you a new love, a new joy, a new patience. And to those who are doing fine, he would say, well, you need to go on being filled with the Spirit. Thank God for what he's done, but don't say I've arrived because there is more. There is always more. This side of heaven, there will always be more to know of God, to experience of God. Most cars um, have these kind of gauges in them. And um, my vehicle has a very helpful uh, warning light that comes on that warns me when I'm getting low. But the trouble is I've, I've got used uh, to it and I know actually there are a good few more miles in the vehicle and so I carry on until I see a gas station that uh, is a reasonable price and the petrol I like. Um, one of these days I'm going to run out because I always think there's a bit more than there is. The sad truth is there are many Christians running on empty. The warning light's been flashing for a little while. But you, you just manage to keep going. It's not a good way to persevere. The danger is you come to a halt, you run out. And if we treat cars sensibly, if we realize for them to function, we go to garages to fill up. How much more do we need to come to God again and again to be filled with the Spirit? One more thing about the command. It's a, in the passive voice. It could be translated, let the Holy Spirit fill you. There's no technique here. There, there's not a particular formula to learn or recite. We are all individuals and God deals with us accordingly. It's up to him how he does that. So there's no point in envying someone else's story or experience or being put off by someone else's manifestation. God wants to fill you with his spirit in the way that best suits you. So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to give time to allow the Spirit to deal with each of us as he wants to. We may want time to reflect and sit quietly on our own. Well, that's fine. But we may well need to respond. And there's some of us who just love to pray for people. The band are going to come forward um, and going to lead in some gentle worship songs. Uh, so that's your invitation band to come on forward. Um, and 
I've asked for that so that we're not distracted. We can go on worshipping, uh, but we can also just do business with God. I've said, please don't put the words of the songs up um, on the screen, because I don't want us to be distracted by the words, however good they are. I want us to do business with God tonight, to allow him to do whatever he does. And as the, the band play, I just invite you to to respond as is appropriate to you. I'd ask you to be willing to receive. And it's good and helpful if our bodies indicate that. You know, bodies and mind go together. Uh, we worship using our bodies. We lift up holy hands. And if we're all crunched up and adopting with our bodies a, a line of, you don't dare touch me, God, then that will sort of keep him at arm's length. But if we, just as we are, raise our hands, if you're comfortable, and in our hearts indicate to God that we are open to receive from him, well, that that's great. And I'm going to pray a general prayer and um, let's see what God does and get behind what he does. Um, go with him. Allow him uh, to move. Don't be worried by anything that happens or doesn't happen. Uh, this isn't up to us. It's up to God, okay? And as we do that after I've prayed uh, some of us may feel prompted to just move around and uh, pray for one another. If you see the Spirit at work in someone, just go along and re respond as you feel prompted and pray. Now, don't get into conversation, long counseling. Just pray for God to do what he wants to do. You may be given a verse for them. You may have a word or a picture. That's great. Risk for God. Move in the Spirit. Who knows what God might want to do amongst us? Let's stand together.